What is up, everybody? This is your boy, AJ Tripp. And welcome to the game, according to me. A lot of things happening today. We're going to obviously do our college and, and pro recaps and previews and things like that. We're going to talk about the MLB playoffs. We have a game seven tonight, and we also have one team in the World Series. But today's a big day. Today's the start of the 2023-2024 NBA season. So that means we get to do like a little preview show. Yeah, that should be fun. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Game According to Me. All right, so here's how we're going to do this season breakdown of the NBA. I'm going to read to you some, uh, some NBA breakdowns that were done uh, on uh, the DK Network and uh, DraftKings.com uh, for all 30, uh, all 30 teams. I'm going to go through all 30 teams. I'm going to read what they have for them and read what they uh, have for them. And then I'm going to give you my uh, give you my little take at the end just to, just to uh, put a little spice on the end of it, so to speak. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to go by conferences and then in divisions and everything like that. So the first one up is the Boston Celtics. So, uh, let's, let's start at this. Ahead of the 23-24 NBA season, DK Network is taking an in-depth look at all 30 teams. We're going over the big moves of the final season, predicting the starting lineup, providing a fantasy basketball perspective, and looking at relative, relevant odds, assessing season expectations for each franchise. Here to look at the Boston Celtics. The 23-24 outlook, Boston Celtics. Key additions, Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis. Since Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both restart them, the Celtics have constantly been looking to improve the roster around them in pursuit of a title. This time, they consolidated their depth for more star power, adding a veteran point guard in Holiday, who has won a championship, and a versatile big man in Porzingis, who is coming off a career season. If this group can stay healthy, it's going to be hard to slow Boston down. Key departures. Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon. The Celtics were unable, unable to afford Grant Williams' contract demands, and Robert Williams has some injury history that's concerning. Losing Smart would be tough for Boston fans, but the point guard simply thought he was a bigger part of the fire of the team than he was. The Brogdon trade never worked out due to a combination of injuries and a regression in production. However, these role players did still help Boston make a finals in 2022 and a conference finals a season ago. If the current roster fails short of the finals, there will be questions about why this group was given another shot. Projected starting lineup. Holiday, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, and Al Horford are the likely starting lineup. There's a possibility Horford is swapped out for Derek White and Porzingis is slid in as a center in a smaller lineup. But that's unlikely to happen at the beginning of the season. And don't need to finish the basketball odds and anything like that. Uh, season expectations. The Celtics, uh, like any team, won't state outright that it's a championship or bust season. But it, it certainly feels that way, though. Because you don't want to swap out four rotation players for two second-tier stars if your goal is not to go past what you did a year ago. Boston and Milwaukee have been in a bit of an arms race this offseason. The two sides are co-favorites per the oddsmakers to win the East in the finals. Anything less than a trip back to the finals will be considered a disappointment Losing in the last series would sting, but would be understood depending on the matchup. Boston wants to add the 18th better this season at a minimum. 
expects the opportunity to, to do so. My quick on um, thing here with Boston is I, I I love the fact that they they went out and they got a true center in Kristaps Porzingis and they you know and they get rid of Robert Williams. I I I, I abhor the this new thing of, of playing small to you know to the point where you you you're having six six guys and six seven guys. Being your center, Robert Williams is six nine. He's not a center. He's a power forward, and that's what he that's what he should have played. And then him and you know Al Horford is also six nine. Al Horford is maybe even six ten. You know, they were talking about they were talking about like the starting lineup. See, for me, if if, if you go Holiday and Brown in the backcourt, Tatum and Horford in the front court, Brzezinski in the starting lineup, that's fine. And even if you until the insert Derek White, it is Harden White in the backcourt, Brown and Tatum in the front court, and Porzingis still as a starter. That's even that's even great. You you got a couple of lineups there that you can use in both sides, and lineups that make sense wise, where you don't have people playing out of position. Tatum is six eight, six nine. He can be, he can be a small forward. He can also be a power forward. And 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 uh, and, and Brown. He's six six. He can play small forward. He can play shooting guard. Nothing seems out of whack there. So that's it for the Boston Celtics. At the end of all of this, I will give you my predictions and and, uh, and um, things for MVP and all things like that. Who will make the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, and the NBA Finals MVP? Let's now go to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, the outlook. Key additions, Kelly Obrey Jr., Trey Quavion Smith, Patrick Beverly. The Sixers got a nice winning score in Obrey Jr., who's an upgrade offensively over P.J. Tucker. Smith is a volume chucker who might have the utility off the bench, but Beverly can still fill at the end as a backup guard when needed. The Sixers can only make real changes on the fringes, and they did a good job of that this summer. Key departures, none. There's a big asterisk here with James Harden requesting a trade after opting into his player option. The Sixers guard did not get the extension he felt he deserved after making some financial sacrifices last summer, and then expired into a public war wars between him and President Daryl Morley. The relationship appears to be beyond saving, so the Sixers have just to have to hold out for the package that keeps him in the championship circle. The protected starting lineup, Embiid, Maxi, Harris, and Oubre should be in the starting lineup. Tucker might have more pull as the vet over Uber Jr., but the new head coach, Nick Nurse, might be willing to throw the younger wing in there. The point guard spot is up in the air. If Harden is on the roster for the first game, he'll play. Otherwise, Maxie will be the point guard, and Deontay Nelson will start as shooting guard. Uh, season expectations. Imagine what is going through in Big's mind right now from a basketball standpoint. He's coming off an MVP season where he averaged 31.6 points a game, 10.2 rebounds per game. He's 29 years old at the peak of his career, and he sees the Bucks and Celtics in his primary competition in the conference get better. And he sees his own team in a mess of a situation involving a player that was brought in to help him win a championship. Harden and Embiid were the, one of the deadliest duos in the league last year. Offensively, it's going to be nearly impossible to re recreate that. Regardless of what Philadelphia brings back in a hardened trade. More importantly, how many more chances is this team going to get with Embiid playing at this level? How many more times will the big man accept the season that ends short of the final for action out? There are teams waiting for Embiid to demand a trade. 
where the Sixers are clearly committed to him financially. There is no long-term contract on the team outside of Embiid. There is a chance for a clean slate. The expectation to compete for a championship, but the path of getting in that position seems distant. Embiid has his own issues staying healthy for the playoffs. But this on and off the court drummer is something he has to tolerate. He can, he can, he can only tolerate for so long. And I truly agree. This is, you know, as of right now, uh, James Harden has not practiced with the team. He has not played any of the team's preseason games. He has not done anything with the team. He did, he did, he did one practice. I think he did one. I think he was there for photo day, media day. But then he has not been there since. And it, 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 it is a struggle. This is going to hang over the 76ers. I know the Sixers are playing hardball. They signed, you know, James Harden signed the contract and they didn't want him to play. And I understand that. But also I think sometimes you just got to, you know, you ask the juice worth the squeeze. And James Harden has not been worth the squeeze for a long time, if ever, if ever. So uh, this is going to be, I think, a thing that brings down the Sixers this year uh, with the James Harden thing. And, and as for, like, the trade and what, what, what they could get for him, I have no idea. I don't know when it is. I don't know when it's going to happen. And um, I would be shocked if if, uh, if if he does play for the Sixers. On to the Toronto Raptors. The outlook. Key additions. Grady Dick, Dennis Schroeder. The sharp shooting rookie from Kansas also has some playmaking chops, which the Raptors will love. Schroeder is coming off a great FIBA World Cup campaign and can be an adequate point guard if the Raptors want to go that route. Both these players will make Toronto better. Schroeder might be a potential trade chip if the season goes soft. Heater Pouchers, Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet struggled with his shooting for most of the season last year, and the Raptors simply weren't going to pay what Houston was. It's an emotional loss more than a production one as Van Vick was one of the young players who stepped up in a big way during the 2019 title run. It does create a hole at point guard spot which Toronto will have to sort out. Projected starting lineup. Siakam, OG Hinobi, Gary Trent Jr., Jacob Porto should be locked into the starters. The question is whether Raptors will Scotty Barnes to be the primary ball handler of the first stroller. That'll be the decision they'll make during the preseason. Season expectations. There are trade rumors around Siakam, who is set to be a free agent, and said he wants on a long-term deal with a team that trades for him. Anobi has a player option that he's likely to decline. Trent Jr. is also set to be a free agent. That means the Raptors are going to make a decision on this score around the trade deadline. If Toronto is in the playoff mix, ownership will likely let the season play out. If the Raptors are on the fence, there could be a push to deal with the key guys and rebuild the roster around Barnes and Dick. Toronto will have a ton of cap space this summer, and although it's not, and, and although it's not exactly a destination franchise for star free agents, the Raptors hope there are several playoff runs in this court, which still is on the young side. The expectation is to make the playoffs and win a series, but there is an off ramp if things aren't clicking, and that's how and that's how I feel um, when it comes to the Toronto Raptors. I don't know necessarily know how good they're going to be, but I think this is definitely a make-and-break season for this team, and, uh, and, and, and by losing Fred Van Vliet, this could be something that goes down quickly, and then what do you do? I think you have to try to trade uh, for Siakam, you have to trade Siakam, you have to trade uh, Anobi, you have to trade Gary Trent, get, get you some draft picks, 
backfall, get you some young players back for those guys, and see what happens. And 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 if what whatever happens, like if you guys still make the playoffs in uh, in Toronto, that's good on you. And then you just deal with whatever happens afterwards. But if it goes down, don't hesitate, Toronto. Do not hesitate to make trades and try to get better. Uh, losing Fred Van Vliet is going to be a big loss for them. To the Brooklyn Nets. Their outlook. Key additions. Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead. The Nets used both their first round picks in the 2023 NFL Draft selected players with some upside and positions of need. Clowney doesn't project to be more than a rotation player, but Whitehead can eventually become a solid starter. Kiki departures, none. Nets have replenished a lot of their war chests after the trio of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden broke apart. There isn't a highly intriguing asset yet, but that's what the season will be largely about. The starting lineup. Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson should start. The Clashams should be the man in the middle since Dinwiddie, a familiar face with the organization, should be in the backcourt. That leaves one spot, which will likely be between Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, and Dennis Smith. Jr. Excuse me, Dennis Smith Jr. The Nets fans are probably don't like many of those options, but the defensive potential that Simmons gives is on the edge. Season expectations. According to Hoops Hype, the Nets have a $163 million payroll for the season for a team that's favored for the Mr. Playoffs. This group managed to do enough after the reshuffling of the trade deadline to get to the playoffs last year, but now has to run the gauntlet for the full season. The good news is the players have a full offseason to get activated with each other. The Nets don't have a clear-cut franchise player on the roster at the moment, which is something you just don't land if you hope to compete. It's possible Bridges or Johnson can make the leap, but they seem to have hit their potential. Thomas might be out of another year, while Simmons is not someone Brooklyn is expecting anything from. Making a play-in tournament might be feasible, but the goal of the season should be to further drill down who can remain on the roster going forward and who needs to be shipped out. And I, I think it says it perfectly right there at the end of that, of that, that paragraph. Um, making the playoff tournament should be what the Nets should try to do. Um, but again, they might be in, this, in, the, in the way of Toronto. If it starts going downhill really quickly, then maybe you've got Mikael Bridges to trade, because they're getting ready to trade. I'm not sure about Ben Simmons. Has there been, has there been, wow. I mean, just a fall from grace, unlike any other with Ben Simmons. This was a guy who guy was, he, people were calling him the next LeBron James because of his ability at the point guard position, 6'9", and, you know, he could drive, get, to, he could get to the hoop, and he could, and he was defensively, he was a, he was a stout player. Calling this guy the next LeBron James and a, a horrible um, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, against the Atlanta Hawks where he's, he's he, he didn't score any points in like the fourth quarters, and then the trade to Brooklyn, and what he set out, he, he set out a lot of games, and he played to win it. People thought he could, he would play at Brooklyn, so this is the biggest fall from grace seen in a long time uh, in, in, in the National Basketball Association has been Simmons, and who knows what he's going to give to the Nets this year? And I agree with uh, these folks. Uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, very much at all. So, yeah. N you know, the Knicks could have a shot at the plan, but they also should do not hesitate to start trading off folks if they don't make it far. The New York Knicks is next. 
their outlook. Their key additions is Dante DiVincenzo. The Knicks will continue to tap into that Villanova connection with DiVincenzo, who joins Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson in New York. That trio won a lot of games in college, but this is a different league. DiVincenzo is a solid player, but it's hard to envision him becoming something bigger because he's playing with his college teammates. Key departures, none. There were some questions about whether the Knicks would be able to trade Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose last year as a part of a bigger deal. Those talks extended into the offseason. Fournier is back, but Rose has moved on. The main rotation is still intact, and the Knicks will surely use Fournier's salary as a filler for potential deals. Project the starting lineup. Brunson, Hart, R.J. Baird, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson should be the starters. There's a possibility Quinn Grimes could start if Tom Thibodeau likes Hart off the bench, but that's likely the only spot that could be switched up. Season expectations. New York fans... New York had fans excited after making the playoffs and then winning the first round series over the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's important to build off that this season with another playoff campaign. Jalen Brunson was a star in his first year with the Knicks, and there's reason to believe he his play won't take a substantial hit. The role players are good enough around him and Randall to make this team a competitive outfit. If Barry can take another step, landing a big stitch after landing a big stitch in the summer, the Knicks can push as one of the top teams in the East in the conference semifinals. Yeah, it's, it's all going to be about um, Andre Barrett. If they can, if Brunson and Randall and everybody else stays healthy, this should be a playoff team. If, Brun, if, if, if R.J. Barrett takes another step and becomes a stud, this is a top three team in the Eastern Conference. And that's something that the Knicks have not had in a long time. And Stephen A. will be on first take screaming and yelling about, New York stand up and all that other things he likes to do. So this is a very very uh, important season I think for R.J. Barrett. You know, and listen, if, if they just end, if they end up again the fourth or fifth seed like they was last year, that's that's okay as well. Just keep making the playoffs. I think I think we we starting to learn that you know making the playoffs is a is a lot better than just every other year trying to. Do you know, catch the star free agent, or catch the, or get the number one draft pick, so that you can get get get, get the next generational talent. That's not going to work, and um, I, I I I think you know you keep making the playoffs, something could happen, and and uh, so the Knicks fans out there, just just keep hoping that these New York Knicks keep making the playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks. Their outlook, the key additions, Damian Lillard, Malik Beasy, campaign. It's all about the first name on that list. The Bucks might have felt some pressure from Giannis Antetokounmpo's recent comments about a long-term commitment to Milwaukee, and last year's first-round exit made them realize they needed more firepower. Lillard gives the team a true second superstar and should elevate this offense, especially in the half-court sets. Beasley's a nice rotation piece, and pain, while pain has played enough in big games to prove it provide a spark if needed. Key departures, Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen. Losing Holiday is tough. He was a part of their 2021 title team, especially on the defensive end. What's worse is Holiday ends up back in the East with the Celtics, Miami's primary competitor. Allen was a nice role player who could contribute here and there, but he wasn't going to move the needle of Milwaukee either way. The projected starting lineup. Lillard, Antetokounmpo, Lopez, for sure. 
Chris Middleton is recovering from injury and should be ready to go, but Pat Connaughton might be the start in his place. BC or Connaughton would be in line for the fifth spot if Middleton is healthy. Season expectations. The Bucks traded for Holiday, uh, they traded for Lillard in their attempt to win a championship. They accomplished that goal and set up to compete for a long time. Milwaukee is making a similar uh, gamble not just to win a championship, but to show Isaac Tumpo to the front office that will always look to keep the team in the mix. This was the cost of doing business for the Bucks. And while this was a difficult decision, it does make the team better. The goal of this season and every season as Leonard and Anakitumpo together is to win a championship. The only way this move isn't considered a successful one is the Bucks don't win the title. And as we have uh, breaking news came out yesterday, Anakitumpo signed a three-year, $186 million contract, lining him up with Damian Lillard for the next you know, few years. So Lillard and Anakitumpo are going to be on the same level. So... If after these next three or four years, if they don't win a championship, both guys can go their own separate way, which I think is, is great. Or they both can try to continue on and play with each other, you know, for some more. I would expect that they are going to, you know, this is going to be a, a type of thing where they're going to wait and see how these years go before they, before they sign another extension with Milwaukee. But, yeah, Milwaukee should be on top of the Eastern Conference, and uh, anything less, I think, is, is, a total, total, is, a, is a total disappointment. So my team, the Chicago Bulls, uh, the key additions, Javion Carter and Torrey Craig, the Lonzo Balls set to be sidelined for the 2023-2024 season, Carter is a nice point guard option. He's a solid defender who can also attack the basket offensively and shoots the ball well from the perimeter. Craig is a solid combo forward who can come off the bench. Key departures, none. The Bulls haven't, haven't made wholesale changes to the roster, much to the chagrin of fans. There simply hasn't been a move out there to make this team better, and a rebuild is probably not something ownership wants to go through right now. The starting lineup. The big three of Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic will be in the lineup. The question is who will play point guard. If Levine is the primary point guard, Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams will round out the starting lineup. If the Bulls want to go with Carter, Caruso likely comes off the bench. The season expectations. In 2021-2022, the Bulls were first in the East, in the East, in the East when Lonzo got hurt on January 14th. On over a month later, the Bulls were still first in the East. They eventually finished sixth with a 46 and 36 record, but the point is that the team was good. Ball was out, and it feels like the entire operation has fallen apart. That's not how good. That's not how teams should function. And the Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic trio has to prove that in the 2023-2024 season. Barring a complete disaster start, ownership getting and ownership giving a full rebuild, the green light. The Bulls are expected to compete for a playoff spot. They were a minute and change away from making the postseason, uh, postseason out of the playoff tournament a year ago, so that's not unrealistic at all. And just think how those things would have changed if the Bulls did win. They they lost to the Heat. The Heat went on to beat the uh, the Bucks. Went on to beat the Knicks. Went on to beat the Celtics. That, 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 you know, and then lose to the Nuggets in the finals. There could have been a whole different story in the Eastern Conference if the Bulls kept that lead and beat the Heat. 
It might not mean anything for the team uh, in terms of becoming a title contender in the future, but the playoff berth is the expectation. Yeah, as a as a diehard Chicago Bulls fan, um, there is there is some hesitation with this team. Uh, you know, I, I I've been kind of sick. I, I think they needed to. You know, they need to get some size. They've been playing Patrick Williams at the power forward position. And he's not a power forward. He's a small forward, 6'7". Same thing with DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan sometimes plays power forward, and he's 6'6". You know, he's, he's, a, he's a small forward. You know, I, I, were, I, wanted the, I wanted them to try to get Christian Wood. Christian Wood is 6'9". Uh, he obviously, he, you know, I, I wanted them to, to get... You know, Christian Wood a couple years ago trade Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams has not showed anything. Now there's rumors that Patrick Williams want this massive contract, but you've done nothing, Jack. You know, you need to shut the hell up about contracts. Uh, so it's it's ridiculous, and they really need really need to get a true power forward, uh, and, uh, and you know, so that Patrick Williams can come off the bench and do his thing. Uh, that did not happen, so. Um, my my hope is, uh, I'm looking I'm looking for the, the Bulls to to definitely make the playoffs. Cause I want my team to make the playoffs. I don't want to rebuild, but I am hoping that maybe at some point this season, the front office does realize Patrick Williams is not going to be the guy. Uh, I think I read somewhere where he is the only person from his draft class not to have had, had his option. Picked up or uh, or has not to sign an extension, I believe was one of those two things, where he has not signed another extension or he has not signed a uh, a thing. Uh, uh, maybe when his draft pick, maybe it was like the top, you know, maybe it was like the top ten in lottery picks or something like that. But so yeah, uh, it, it's it's time to let Patrick Williams go. He's not going to become anything special, you know, anything that's going to help out uh, the Bulls, you know, in the future. So. It's time for him to go. Next, the Detroit Pistons. Their key additions. Austin Thompson, Joe Harris, and Monty Morris. The Pistons used number five pick on the 2023 NBA draft on Thompson, an athletic wing who could grow into a bigger role. The good news is Detroit don't need him to do too much in his rookie season. Harris and Morris are solid veteran additions to the team can flip at the deadline to a contender or keep around as bench pieces. Sadiq Bay left at last year's trade deadline, so that's a change to start the season. However, there were no other major pieces moving. Detroit has done well in its rebuild to identify players who can fit together in long-term roles while avoiding an attempt at a quick, quick free agency. Project the starting lineup. Cade Cunningham should return after missing most of last season recovering from a shin surgery. Jaden Ivey will join him in the backcourt. Jaden Duran should be the starting center, while Bogdan Bogdanovich will be one of the fours. The Pistons could win with Thompson or Harris at the small four spot, with the rookie likely to get the nod as, as, the one, as he's the one who has to fit with the core trio. Expectations? Making the playoffs might be too much of an ask, but the Pistons will be ecstatic if they are in the playoff mix late in the season. The biggest priority is making sure that Cunningham, Ivy, and Duran is something the front office can build a contender around. All three players are high draft picks and we're expected to show a lot of growth this year. The roster has a good mix of young players and veterans, which usually in a, pesky, in a pesky team that stays competitive for most of the season. 
The middle of the east is not great, which leaves it open for the train to, to at least make things interesting. Development is a priority, but competing for a playing spot won't hurt. Absolutely. I think you have two guys in, in um, Cunningham and Ivy who are really good. Um, I'm not sh necessarily sure about uh, Duran. It says here that uh, in the front court last year, he had a strong stretch at the end of the last season where he put up 11.3 points and 9.4 points a game in the final 15 games of the season. So maybe he can step up and, like, and as, and as the, um, the article said, be the be the third in their trio in their big three. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have to keep your eye out on the Pistons. I think the Pistons could be one of those teams that does make sense to um, jump up into the playoff here. The Cavaliers, their outlook. The key additions, Max Struess, Georges Niangi, Nang, Imani Bates. Cavaliers clear need for big squad after getting blasted by the Knicks in the first round, and they did, and they did something about it. Struess was in line for a big payday after his rise with the Heat, and Cleveland had the cap space to get the deal done. Niang has consistently been a solid three-point shooter as well. Bates is one of those players with rare potential, despite being a second-round pick. He was the number one player in his college class, but had off-the-court issues, uh, issues, which caused him to fall. If he clicks, that's another nice rotation player Cleveland can throw in the mix. The, clean, the, the key departures. Setian Osman. Osman was a good bench player, but the Cavaliers are going to be able to make up his absence with many issues. The expectations? Last year's campaign ended in a better playoff loss to the Knicks, who hadn't won a playoff season in a decade. The Cavaliers likely felt they could push the best teams in the East in the postseason, and we saw that wasn't the case. Cleveland did make moves they felt were necessary without compromising their core group, which is a good sign. Expectations for this season would be to make the playoffs and then win a playoff series. If you look at the win total in these odds, Cavaliers are expected to be among the list of contenders, and there are some clear heavyweights at the top. Anything can happen in a single playoff series. Cleveland remains healthy. This roster is good enough to make a deep run. Last year, Cleveland was the fourth overall seed in the playoffs. I, I, I think anything less than that should be a disappointment. Now, now maybe the playoffs is obviously what you want to do. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But I think Cleveland is one of those teams where you traded for Donovan Mitchell last year, and now you want to grow, and, and now you now you want to grow and get better. So you want to at least get into the top four. Now you, again, you got you got Milwaukee, you've got Boston to deal with, um, you got the Sixers. There are a lot of teams you, get, you need to deal with. But that's what I'm saying. If you stay at four, that's something that's going to be good enough for them. So, uh, I, I like what Cleveland could do this year. Uh, uh, staying, just staying stagnant. Uh, not stagnant, that's not the word, but staying, whatever. Just, just keeping it continue, as Sammy Sosa would say. Um, the Indiana Pacers. Their key additions. Bruce Brown, Jerese Walker, Obi Toppin. Walker and Toppin were sure, sure up the power forward spot, which has been a sore spot for Indiana over the last few seasons. Brown excelled as a role player with the Nuggets last season, but would he be ready for a bigger role? The Pacers have a big financial commitment with him, and the production might be a little lower than they hoped for. The key departures, none. Chris Duarte were traded in the summer, but he was falling on the rotation anyway for Indiana. There will likely be a move during the season involving Bobby Buddy Hill, who has requested a trade after a contract extension agreement was in reach. Outside of Hill's pending move, the roster remains largely the same from a season ago.
Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner have secured two of the starting spots. Brown and Hill should start that leaves one spot between Walker and Tyra Open. It will likely depend on the matchups, but Pacers probably give Topper the first crack at winning the job. Season expectations. The Pacers signing Brown to a healthy contract made one thing clear. This tier this team intends to compete in 2023-2024. There won't be some late tanking for lottery odds, and Hill trade will likely be uh, one that either keeps Indiana posing the picture or further bolsters their roster. Halliburton is too good for the team to tank outright, but he does have enough around him to truly contend. Making the playoffs and a place for the Pacers in 2019-2020 will be a good spark. The bare minimum expectations would be to make the play in tournament. And see, you talk about Miles Turner, going back to my books, that's another one. When, when the Indiana Pacers was thinking about, you know, maybe rebuilding and things like that, that's one of the things I was hoping for. I was hoping that they would trade for Miles Turner. Again, get another big guy who can play the power for his spot. Miles Turner can step out and shoot the three a little bit, right? And it just, just didn't happen. Now, they're not going to be looking to trade uh, Miles Turner. They're not going to be looking to trade a lot of people. The only one looking to trade is Buddy Hill. And I don't think, and Buddy Hill to me is not, is not someone that is, is worthy for the book. I think, you know, that, that would just be, because you've already got a bunch of guards with Levine and 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 and, and, and Ayo DeSumo and Kobe White and and uh, Caruso. So, so yeah, uh, any other Pacers should be a team that's fighting for a spot in the playoff tournament. Next is the Atlanta Hawks. The key additions: Patty Mills and Kobe Bufkin. Mills is a good veteran presence who can stretch the floor, while Bufkin is promising rookie guard. The issues will be the rotation. As Atlanta is loaded in the backcourt, it's tough to see either player taking on a big role in the rotation barring an injury. Key departures, John Collins. The Hawks were finally able to get rid of Collins and open up their interior rotation. Collins was apparently the odd man out as the team looked to get more Traditionally diverse, and the Hawks likely would have wouldn't have found a trade for Clint Capella. We'll see how his production gets made up, but Atlanta has been planning this for some time. Trey Young and Deontay Murray are locks. Capella probably gets a nod over Onyeka Ongungu to begin the season. I butchered that name. DeAndre Hunter will be in. The final spot will be Sadiq Bay and uh, between Sadiq Bay and Bogdan Bogdanovich, with the former having the edge at this moment. Season expectations. The Hawks were able to hire Quinn Snyder late last season, and there is belief he can coach, he can be the coach to unlock this group. Atlanta has had enough in the cupboard internally to believe they can, there can be growth from this squad, even if the free agent acquisitions don't happen. Snyder went to the playoffs six, six straight times with the Jazz, Winning three playoff series and capturing the number one seed in the 2020-2021 season. The goal is to make the playoffs and win a playoff series. Although the second part of that equation might not be realistic depending on the opposition. Underlying secondary expectations with Snyder is to make young Murray and Perrin work. If that duo can click, the Hawks can be good enough to make the postseason. 
Yes, I, I agree. I think I think it's good. it's very hard. You know, you talk, you talk, you know, when you talk about the top three, Boston, Milwaukee, and, and the Sixers, and then after that, everyone else is just up for grabs. And uh, the Hawks, who have made the playoffs before, uh, who have made the uh, you know the the uh, conference finals before. And when, when I talked about Ben Simmons, that was actually the that wasn't the conference finals. Uh, that was the, um, the yeah, that was uh, the What's the name finals? That was the um, divisional finals, right? And I think the conference finals were between Milwaukee and Atlanta. And that was the, that was the, the year that Milwaukee uh, won the title. So, yeah, there is there's a lot there's a lot of openings in the Eastern Conference, and Atlanta could be one of those ones that steps up and takes the slot. The Orlando Magic is next. Their key additions, Anthony Black, Jet Howard, Joe Ingles. When you have two lottery picks, you should be able to address any remaining holes in your roster. Black is expected to be the answer to Orlando's point guard problems, although there is still some hope Jalen Suggs turn things around. Howard is a nice wing player who has potential, but would need to improve his perimeter shooting to get extended minutes. Ingles is a nice veteran creator who would give me an outlet in his offense. Key departures, none. The Magic did not lose any key players and are in a good spot when it comes to the salary cap. The season will be a great opportunity to shuffle some pieces around and see how this roster gets going. Project the starting lineup. Benchero, Franz Wagner, and Wendell Carter Jr. are locked in the starting lineup up in the front court. The two backcourt spots are up for grabs. With Markel Fultz, Gary Harris in the lead to take those, but it wouldn't be surprising to see Black eventually move into one of those spots, especially if the Magic shop those aspiring contracts around near the trade deadline. Season expectations, Magic are not expected to contend with the NBA title. They're not completely being dismissed in the playoff picture. The playing tournament seems to be a minimum requirement for progress, although finding stability in the backcourt might be better barometer for what goes down in a successful season. Cheryl Wagner, and Carter Jr. are good enough to keep Orlando in the conversation for a playoff spot. If they can get anything from Jonathan Isaac and the rookie step up, a playoff berth is not out of the question. Yes, and like I just said, the East is the East, and I think there are so many teams fighting for play-in spots and playoff spots that anything can happen. And uh, I, 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 I would really expect probably that the Magic will end up getting rid of Harris and, and Folk. And they will go with the young guys, Suggs and Black. Um, and then who knows, that, that could, even that could end up helping push the Magic further into the, uh, and further into the thing, uh, into the season, maybe even further into the playoffs. Hornets 2023 outlook. This is a Charlotte Hornets. Their key additions, Brandon Miller and Nick Smith. There's a lot of hype around Brandon Miller, who was taken number two overall in the NBA draft. He's got potential to be a strong all-around scorer right off the bat while possessing some solid defensive upside. Smith was a late first-round pick and should be able to see the floor immediately as a backup guard. The question is whether Smith can take over for Terry Rozier as a backcourt mate with LaMelo Ball. Miller has some up and down in the summer league and would need to stay out of foul trouble, but he should be in the running for Rookie of the Year. In this, in this offense. Key departures, Kelly Obrey Jr. Obrey Jr. was awesome last season for Charlotte, averaging 20 points a game. 
He was a chemical defender as well, although the efficiency wasn't as good as the Hornets might have hoped for. Losing him in the rotation does open up minutes for Miller and P.J. Washington, uh, but it can compromise the Hornets' defensive side of the ball. We'll see how Charlotte adjusts. Projected starting lineup, Ball, Rozier, Washington, and Mark Williams should be locked into their spots in the starting lineup. Miller is expected to start with the possibility of Gordon Hayward playing ahead of playing ahead of him exists. Hayward is the more experienced player, but Miller has the upside. Head coach Steve Clifford has a decision to make as possible Hayward begins the season as a starter before eventually succeeding to Miller. The season expectations. It is hard to know whether Clifford is coaching for his job or not since the Hornets cut bait from James Borrego earlier than expected. This is a young team that needs to show some sort of growth. But competing for a playing spot seems reasonable as the ball remains healthy. Miller's development will also be a focal point this year. There's also the possibility of some big changes if things aren't going as planned with the ownership transition. Michael Jordan no longer has the majority of stake, and his vision is no longer the driving force of the organization. Even if his aura has dimmed, the Hornets don't remain in the playoff mix. Things could get rocked. And I, I can definitely see things getting rocky down there in Charlotte. It just, it just, it just hasn't happened for, for Mike down there in Charlotte. And I'm not necessarily sure why. You know, there was a, the old interview a long time ago where Charles Barkley said he puts yes men around him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't put around the best man. He puts around the yes man. And that, that kind of, you know, you know, you know, tore them apart a little bit. Um, but you know, we we'll just have to wait to see. I think the Hornets are are kind of big time, you know, you know, they're kind of in a big time situation right now because they need to get something happening, and uh, they've got some talent to do so. But we we'll just have to wait to see. And uh, so yeah, I, I think the Hornets are are one of those teams that are again it's the East, so they are just. You know they you know they make that improvement. They can make they can make the playoff and make make the playing tournament. The Miami Heat. Their outlook, their key additions: Jimmy Jaquez Jr., Thomas Bryant, Josh Richardson. When you have to pivot from a plan or fly, this is about the best you can do. Miami should get decent minutes from all three guys, but none will move the needle when it comes to winning a championship. Jacquez Jr. has the most upside, while Richardson would like to provide the, the the most immediate production. Key departures, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Losing two starters from a team that went to the finals, even if they were considered role players, is tough to make up. Struess got a deal outside Miami's budget, and Vincent probably could have come back and had the Heat not been chasing the bigger fish. The projected starting lineup. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Cal Lowry should be in the starting lineup. Tyler Hero should be in there as well. Richardson might get the nod over Caleb Martin, but Martin's run at the end of the playoffs is something the Heat might want to reward with a starting playoff spot this year. And again, drawing off this, Bam Adebayo is six nine. He should not be. A, he should be a power forward. He should not be starting at center. You know, you got uh, you got the big guys there. Um, Kelly Olynyk, he's seven foot. He's a legit center. He should be a starting center. For the Miami Heat. Season expectations. The Heat expect to compete every season, and they expect to compete for a championship. 
Butler has managed to help his team overachieve relative to its seeding, but the Heat also have dominant showings during the regular season. They have reached the conference finals in the last two seasons, making the finals last year. They were the favorites to land Lillard and cement themselves as the team to beat in the East. All those hopes were dashed when the Bucks got Lillard and the Celtics got Drew Holiday in a secondary deal. Now the Heat have to play from behind once again and their two biggest rivals. Butler, Adebayo, and Hero are good, but are they good enough? A second round exit in the playoffs against Milwaukee or Boston feels like it was early most likely outcome for the season. Yeah, I figure. You know, I, 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 you know, although, you know, we felt like that last couple of years, and the heat just shows us that great coaching from Spo, Jimmy Butler is just a person that puts his team on his back, and they have some great role players around them that you you can't count the heat out. And you know, and even even though we're talking about you know Boston and Milwaukee and the Seventy Sixers. Should anybody be surprised if the Miami Heat is in the conference finals, let alone the NBA finals again? I'm not. Neither should you. The Washington Wizards, their outlook, their additions, Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Bilal Kulibali, another name I remember. Landry Shennett and Patrick Baldwin Jr. The Wizards made wholesale changes in the offseason, finally resetting from the previous court who couldn't escape the cycle of mediocrity. Poole, Jones, and Shemet are young players who have some experience in the league and they should get heavy minutes. Cooley Bai is the rookie to watch, although his role fluctuates as there is a lot to search through on his roster. Key departures Bradley Bill and Christoph Porzingis. Bill flexes no trade calls to get to the Suns in a lopsided deal, effectively screwing the Wizards from landing a true return for the star. Porzingis' deal was a bit more favorable, although Washington could have built something around him given the production last year. We'll see if both players can stay healthy with their new teams, but it was clear their time in Washington was up. Projected starting lineup. Shamet is working through an injury, so we'll like to see Jones and Poole in the backcourt. I expect Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gifford to hold down two frontcourt spots. Corey Respert seems like the favorite to win the small fourth spot. But Denny Avadija, uh, another name I just messed up, came on strong at the end of last year and does more on the play making ability side. Season expectations, as the odds will tell you, not much is expected from the Wizards in 2023-2024. This season will be an opportunity for front office to decipher who fits where and in the rebuild timeline for this team. Poole and Kuzma are locked in on long-term deals and the Wizards are unlikely to trade partners with their salary to get salary relief. So those two appear to be in the big picture. Evaluated making decisions for unrest from Kispert, Abadija, Galford, and Johnny Davis will be the focus. As far as competitive goes, the Wizards are hoping for a team that battles and ultimately loses more games than it wins. Maintaining a good environment and understanding a tough season will be a part of the process. The Wizards are hoping to eventually have a contender this year, but that's going to be a tough one. What the Wizards are looking for, they're looking for what the Utah Jazz did last year. Utah Jazz trading Donovan Mitchell, trading, you know, a lot of the other players, getting back, you know, um, uh, Larry Marketing and everything go at this, and they ended up being a pretty good, you know, pretty good team. Um, you know, for the, for most of the year, so 
So, and I think that's what the, the Washington's hoping here. They're hoping here that the sum is better than the means, and that, you know, even without a true superstar, or even, even a true star, that, you know, they can come together and maybe make something and maybe make the playoffs. I would think that the Wizards are probably going to be, you know, uh, uh, again, it would be a shock, but I think the Wizards are going to be a team that's probably, you know, in that top four looking for a, um, um, looking for a, a, a top four spot next year in the NBA draft. That was the Eastern Conference. So now let's go ahead and let's take a look at the Western Conference. And let's start with the San Antonio Spurs. Key additions. Victor Wimbianima and C.D. Osman. No one picking the 2023 NFL Draft is the focus of this, this season for the Spurs, who are hoping to start a new era of dominance. Wimbianima has the size of a center but the mobility of a small forward. There's no telling how good he can become as long as he stays healthy. And the Spurs are the perfect place for him to develop. Osman is a nice bench player who should provide perimeter shooting. Key departures, none. The presumed core is still intact and San Antonio is loaded with draft picks to continue building their roster up. Projected starting lineup. Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell locked in. Trey Jones should be the primary point guard, although Malachi Branham is pushing for that role. And Bianca will start where he will be at the power forward or center spot. Jeremy Shaham, Shaham offers better defense, but does Zach Collins allow the Spurs to take pressure off the rookie in the interior? Season expectations. Wimbyama ran the rookie of the year and the peripheral pieces fitting well. Wilson will be a wildly successful 23-24 campaign in San Antonio. The Spurs are in no rush to get to the playoffs after having plenty of draft assets waiting to continue shaping the roster. Wimbyama needs to live up to the hype, but it's important that the players like Johnson Vessel and Branham mesh well with him. The Spurs have signed the former two big extensions and it would be hard to stomach moving one of them given their investment. Yeah, I would agree. I think it is probably it's probably time for them to to um you know do right by the fans and probably you know continue to look to towards the future right now and start looking as, uh, for more champions. So you, you got your centerpiece in Wimbiama. Maybe you need to look for another one to go with him. Um, and yeah, and we'll see, and see what happens in San Antonio. We know Pop is a good coach. We don't know how long Pop's going to want to continue coaching, but um, for as long as he wants to, I think he's got the opportunity to do so. And, and I have no doubt that Pop is going to make San Antonio a, a super team in the near future. The Dallas Mavericks. Their key additions, Grant Williams, Olivier Maxine's Prosper, Derek Lively, and Seth Curry. The Mavericks needed to shore up their front court, and they did just that in all season training for Williams while adding Prosper and Lively in the draft. Curry comes in as a nice bench scorer, but the front court additions are what the fans will be focusing on. There's a lot of versatility there. There's also a lot of unproven talent when it comes to playing big minutes. Key departures, Christian Wood. Wood was a low-risk, high-reward option in the Ma uh, the Mavericks pursued to balance out the roster. Unfortunately, the combo forward didn't hit the heights Dallas expected, and the franchise decided not to bring him back in the offseason. His scoring will be missed, 
with the fit with Luka Doncic was never quite there. The Mavericks are hoping the new additions can fix that. Project the starting lineup. Doncic and Irving are locked in at the guard pairings. Hardaway and Grant Williams are in contention for starting roles while Lively is probably the first big man in the rotation. Prosper might get the nod over Williams if y'all play some in the preseason. The two star rookies might be tough. Season expectations. The Mavericks tanked at the end of last season to keep the draft pick, but that should be the last time they put a stunt like that. Doncic remains a bona fide MVP candidate and Irvin is an awesome sidekick. The question is whether the preferable pieces are good enough. Remember, Dallas did make a run to the West Finals with Doncic and a bunch of competent role players. Irving's offensive firepower aside, the Mavericks will still need some of those role players to step up. The goal for this season should be to make the playoffs and win at least one playoff series. Anything short of that will be considered a disappointment. There's also a bigger sample size. So to judge how Doncic and Irving fit together, Dallas hopes the outcome will be positive as well. Listen here, it, it's... I love Luka Doncic, I love everything about him. I cannot stand Kyrie Irving. I don't think that he is anything you know, worth your, your, your time or your place, anything like that. If I, if I was the, you know, if, if I, if I was the, the, the Dallas Mavericks, I wouldn't have traded for him, but they did. Now they have him. Uh, and they have to do something with him. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a big, uh, a great fit for, you know, Doncic and Irvin. I don't think that's going to work out. Two guys who are defensively um, challenged, to say the least. Um, I just think this is going to be one of those things where it's, it's just not going to be the great thing that people want, want want it to be. And I don't think people are going to have the ability to make it that way. So. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I just don't see the, the big deal of it all. So, um, Dallas, I, I think, has the talent, and, and as long as you got Luka Doncic, you're always going to have a chance, but I, I, I don't, I, I really, I really, you know, they're talking about making the Pets first round. I don't know if they will make the Pets first round. I really don't. I just, I, I, I don't trust Harry Irving to do anything, so. But that's just me. Next up are the Houston Rockets, right? Let's see what you call them. Yeah, Houston Rockets. There are key additions. Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jock Landale, Eamon Thomas, Cam Whitmore. The Rockets were considered a destination for James Harden at one point, you know, given their cap flexibility. But the organization has decided enough is enough with the dreary rebuild. Van Vliet, Brooks and Landell come in as hard-nosed veterans who had to largely earn their way in the NBA. While the youth movement gets a boost with Thompson and Whitmore, who won Summer League MVP. Houston might not win a lot of games, but the environment in the locker room was shift. Key departures, Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. was likely to be under outs before his alleged assault on his girlfriend. But that was certainly the final start. It is clear what Houston wants to achieve with this group and there could be no negative influence. Porter Jr. was a productive player, and he, did, he didn't impact winning enough to keep around, especially after the off-the-court incident. Van Vliet, Brooks will start for sure. Jalen Green should maintain his place in the backcourt, while uh, Alphine Sigun is probably the preferred big man over Landell. Javari Smith will round out the lineup, although Tari Eason could easily be in the mix to start, depending on the matchups. 
season expectations. Young teams struggle to win games when there are no veterans in place to guide the young players. Bad habits can form that further hampers a team's growth. The Rockets clearly felt they were on the brink of that slippery slope spiraling into pure chaos. Perhaps this was a sense of entitlement growing to young players like Green, Sagoon, Easton, and Smith. New head coach Ime Udoka would demand excellence and attention to detail. Van Vliet and Brooks will know the value of hard work. Van Vliet is an underdrafted free agent. Brooks was a second-round pick. They won't take anything from the youngsters, no matter how where they get drafted. Thompson and Whitmore are here to push for minutes. Landell outworked Aiden in the playoff series last year and eventually got more run than him. Udoka rewards those who play hard and play with each other. Something the Rockets haven't done much over the last few seasons. But as we know, in the preseason, first preseason game, oh, Dylan Brooks got his, uh, got, got his ass uh, thrown out. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if you can, you know, trust Dylan Brooks to stay on point. I really don't. It's, uh, it's just a bad thing. I think it's just, it's not cool. And he's going to, um, he may sink the ship that the Rockets are trying to build. And, uh, and, and if he does that, that's going to be um, just a shame for this, for this young, talented group of kids in Houston who, with the veteran of Trevor being there, could actually maybe make a run at a playoff spot. The New Orleans Pelicans. The additions, Jordan Hawkins. The Pelicans added some depth to the backcourt with Hawkins, who is coming off a national championship with UConn. He's a player who can stretch the floor and has some upside as a 21-year-old. We'll see how much run he gets during the regular season. Key departures, none. There wasn't much to move around with this roster, especially since New Orleans didn't have a clear trade chip deal. Management likely wants to give this group a few more chances to get to the playoffs at 100% health, which has evaded the team in the last two seasons. Projected lineup, CJ McCollum, Brendan Ingham, Zion Williamson, and Jonas Valanciunas are locks. The question is whether the Pelicans go defensive with Herb Jones or put in a more conventional point guard like Dyson Daniels. The outlook, the entire season hinges on the health of Williamson. The hopes is that he can stay on the court for the majority of the regular season in the playoffs. If that does happen, the Pelicans believe they can compete for a championship. A more realistic expectation might be to win the playoff series. If Williamson is in and out of the lineup and dealing with nagging injuries, those expectations get tempered significantly. Making the playoffs, given the strength of the West, would be a big accomplishment. We'll see if the Pelicans package some of their second-tier players, Jones, Faye Murphy, at another starter-level guy at the deadline. And listen, there was a lot of people there choosing the New Orleans Pelicans to be a be a be a, 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 a NBA Finals contender a couple of years ago, you know. Uh, but you know, you know, but it is about Zion Williamson, and if he can stay healthy, and if he can stay healthy, and he, and he can be, you know, play, the New Orleans Pelicans should make the playoffs, and they might even upset a, one of those teams that you don't expect them to upset the Suns and the or, the or the Lakers or something like that. So you never know. So. Uh, but it's going to be all on the health of Zion Williamson. Can he stay healthy? You know, can, I would like to see Zion Williamson play 70 to 75 games this year. 
Next, the Memphis Grizzlies. Their additions, Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose. Even though Rose likely won't play a role in games with important stakes, his presence is important for the franchise player, John Morant. Rose has grown through the ups and downs of superstardom, and he can relate to what the young guard is going through. Having Rose as a mentor should do wonders for Morant while he serves his suspension. Smart will steadily the ship for the first 25 games and should remain a starter until his play, uh, uh, unless his play is too even. Key departures, Dylan Brooks. It's ironic that Brooks made... Let's start this again. It's ironic that what made Brooks so beloved in Memphis ultimately led to his downfall. He was doing the awful little things and playing hard, something the team has built its identity on. Unfortunately, that translated into an over-violation of some and some embarrassing moments on the floor. The Grizzlies will need someone to step into the role of defensive stopper while proving more stable, more stability offensively than Brooks. Project the starting lineup. The Grizzlies will begin the season with Smart, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Stephen Adams as the starter. Either Luke Kennard or John Concar will be the fifth guy. Once Morant returns, expect Smart to move to a secondary guard role, and Bain will come down to small for it. Season expectations. The Grizzlies held their own without Morant a season ago, and they should be able to do the same start the season, especially with Smart filling in. Memphis has been the number two seed in the West each of the last two seasons, so getting to the playoffs should not be a problem. The goal should be to reach the conference finals, while the expectation will likely fall below that. Given how loaded the West is and Moran's suspension, the Grizzlies might not break, might not get a break in terms of seeding. A secondary expectation will be to see some more development from guys like David, Roddy, and Zaire Williams. Brooks is gone, which frees up big minutes, big minutes on the wing for both players. The Grizzlies will, the Grizzlies need internal improvement to push their ceiling, and these two players are prime candidates to see a boost in production. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I, I think the thing is it's all about those first 25 games and how they do in those games. You know, can they overcome that? Now, yes. Not only last season, but then even the other season, they did very well when they didn't have John Morant in the lineup. They did very well. But again, they also had Dylan Brooks and everything like that. Now with Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose, who both have said, you know, they're not there to be mentors. For, you know, they're not there, no. They're not there to be mentors. Next, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The additions, Casey Wallace. The, the Thunder landed on, a, on the guard out of Kentucky while that has worked out extremely well for them previously. There might be a development hurdle for Wallace given how crowded the position is. We'll see what, what Wallace is like off the bench in his rookie season. He's unlikely to be considered a prominent contribute, contributor this season. Key departures, none. Thunder has shuffled the deck a bit in terms of draft assets, but they haven't moved players and they have no reason to. This is still going to be a lengthy process when it comes to building a consistently contending team. Projected starting lineup. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Josh Giddy will lead in the backcourt. Luke Dort will step in into the small forward. Chet Hungram, who is healthy now, will be one of the frontcourt spots. And we'll see the Thunder what role with either Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams, 
of Jamal Robinson Earl to come with Hogan. And by the way, you have Jalen Williams, J-A-L-E-N Williams, and then Jalen Williams, J-A-Y-L-I-N Williams. So that's, that was, that's got to be confusing. Season expectation. Based on the, what the oddmakers are saying with their lines, the Thunders are set to be competing for the playoffs. You have to wonder if those realistic expectations for such a young team, especially since they are now going to be more attention on them. The Thunder were able to sneak up on teams last year and outwork them, which is something they're not going to be able to do this year. The Mavericks tanked late to see in a playoff spot to Oklahoma City, and the Jazz are expected to be in the mix, too. Gildas Alexander, Gideon Hunger, meshing together is far more important than wins and losses. There's a strong chance that the Thunder plateaued this season talks of continuing to take a step forward, which isn't abnormal given their roster. If the three key players are finding ways to connect on the court, that's more important than chasing the one last spot in the West. And I would I would agree with that. They've got the uh, Thunder game. They've got picks and picks to more to trade in the future or to dra- use the draft content. But you know, I, I would say that this this season, this season right now, is you want you want Giddy, Alexander, and Holmgren to get to work together. You want them to find some way together. And to work together. And if that happens, then what you want is you want them to go into the next year looking to win um, games and letting them compete for playoff spots. So that's, that's what you want um, uh, when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think. And I think Shay Alexander, she wants to again be a, 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 a superstar player and I think she wants to be an all-star. So. Uh, and we'll see how Chet Hogan does coming off. He was injured last year, so when the NBA does it, it's kind of weird. You know, even though he, he was injured last year, they don't count that as his rookie year. They don't count this as his rookie year. So, you know, whatever. But yeah, but he's not. I, I was going. I was going to choose him for rookie of the year, but uh, it's, it's gonna, I think it's gonna, unless Victor gets hurt, it's probably going to be Victor. So, uh, but. Yeah, that's um, that's something for me. So you never know what what it is. Next, NBA World Champion Denver Nuggets. Key additions: Julian Strasser, Strasser, Hunter Tyson, or Julian Pickett. After seeing the success of Christian Braun last year, the Nuggets continue to add young wing players through the draft while sacrificing future picks. Strasser and Tyson could immediate roles off the bench, while Pickett may be able to overtake Richard Jackson by the end of the season as the backup point guard. Key departures, Bruce Brown. Brown excelled as a sixth man last season, but the Nuggets simply cannot afford to give him the deal he got. Hopefully, Brown, uh, hopefully Brown will continue to grow and when the rookies to step up. Denver will especially miss Brown defensively, since he could often cover for Jamal Murray in some lineups. Project the starting lineup. Murray, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nikita Lokovic should be the starting five. Season expectation. The defending champions were initially listed as the favorites to win it all in 2023-2024, but the Bucks and Celtics have made moves to put them ahead in front of the Nuggets. Denver passed every test last year with a fully healthy squad but avoided Milwaukee and Boston in the finals. That's unlikely to be the case this year. The expectation is, as long as Jokic is healthy and playing at this level, 
and is able to compete for a championship. The big man has aesthetically become one of the best players in the league, and the Nuggets hope to capitalize on multiple championships. This could be the next dynasty, but there will be some major tests on the path to repair. And yeah, I mean, they are, they are young, they are athletic, they are smart, and they play hard, and it is something, and you got that guy in the middle who is a unicorn. And it is amazing. He should have won a third MVP, but we had some idiots on TV. Maybe it's a black and white thing, and then so he didn't. Jokic wanted no part of that. So he asked his his guys to to not. He asked his coach not to play him as much down the stretch. So that was bullshit. So, but they're gonna be a top of the, the preview and a top of the West. You know, and I think they have a great chance of making. The NBA Finals. Next, the Utah Jazz. Key additions, John Collins, Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, Bryce Sensabaugh. The Jazz added three pieces to their young core in the first round of the 2023 NBA Draft before making the big trade for Collins. He feels an immediate need at the power forward spot, although that mind hinders Hendricks' development a bit when it comes to playing time. However, Collins is a great mode for the rookie to follow, and the former Hawk also raises Utah's floor in the world of Western Conference. The Jazz are largely intact from last season, which is a, which is a sign the rebuild is going well. No key departures. Projected starting lineup. Larry Marketing will be in the starting lineup with Collins and Walker Kessler, which makes the Jazz one of the bigger teams in the league. Collins Sexton should lead the point guard, and the second guard spot is up for grabs. Jordan Clarkson has the experience, but he's always been better off the bench. Perhaps George or Taylor Horton Turker fits better with the first unit. The season expectations. The Jazz have two clear groupings of players on their roster. There's the Sexton, Collins, Markley, Clarkson group, which the team has a lot of money tied up in. Although Clarkson's salary hit goes down after the season, and Markley becomes an aspiring deal. There's the second group featuring Kessler, George, Hendricks, Ochai, Abaja, and Sensabaugh on rookie deals. Ideally, you can have those two timelines balance each other out where the more experienced players can carry the young guys until they are ready to perform, and they'll carry the vets as they slowly decline. However, that doesn't matter if you don't have a star in the roster. The Jazz still need one, no matter what they say about Markin or Collins. Pushing for a playing spot will likely be meeting expectations given what we'd be in the Jazz. Well, see, I think your star is Larry Martin. He was an all-star last year, so you have a star. But you would, you would like another one. You would like another one. Uh, again, maybe a, a smaller guy, kind of, to maybe to, or at least someone who's a guard, to, you know, to play off Larry Martin. That's what you kind of want, so. But, yeah, I think Utah is great. I think Utah, I, I, you know, um, good to see marketing. Step up. He was in Chicago. He, he stepped up. And he's become one of the best in the game. So I'm glad to see that for him. And uh, I'm wait to, can't wait to see what Utah does uh, in this very tight Western Conference. The Portland Trailblazers. Their key additions: Scoot Henderson, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Murray. Henderson is the exact type of player Portland can build around with Lillard's departure. And Murray is a nice combo forward who can develop off the bench. Aiden and Williams are big men with some upside, while Brongdon is a combo guard who can steer the bench unit while also being a trade chip at the deadline. Portland has set the roster up nicely for this rebuild. Key departures, Damian Lillard. 
Leonard finally asked out this offseason and move he had held off on making for several reasons due to his deep ties to the franchise and the city. The Blazers didn't send him to his preferred destination, but they did send him to a contender. It's, a, it's going to be impossible to replace his meaning to the city, and his basketball feats are going to be tough to replicate. We'll see what kind of reception he gets when he does return to the Royal City this season. The protective starting lineup. Henderson, Anthony Simmons, Shannon Sharp, should start in a three-guard lineup in the Blazers elected before the season. Jeremy Grant will start uh, unless Portland moves his contract during the first part of the season. Aiden should get the first crack at the spinner spark, but Williams is lurking. No, Williams is a backup. He, he, he is a power forward, you know, and Aiden should be the center period. That's just the way it, it is. Aiden should be the center period. Season expectations. There are different expectations when it comes to the development of each player, but overall the goal is to find out who fits and who doesn't. Grant and Brogdon are potential trade chips, but those contracts are going to be difficult to move without taking big money back, and the Blazers are in a decent spot when it comes to the future assets. After trading Lillard and subsequently rerouting Drew Holiday, if this group can build a solid foundation for the future, this season will be considered a success. And again, I think, I think Portland is, is hoping that they are the Utah Jazz of this year where all of their, all of their, all of their players come together and become one and they become a, a pretty good team. But I, I, I think more than likely they, they're, they're probably going to be one of, the, one, of, one of the lower teams in the Western Conference, and that's okay. And that's okay. You know, maybe you win the lottery, you, get, you pick somebody up next year. And, uh, and you can start it, and, or, or like I said, they got they got a couple of trade chips they can get, but they can trade for other players, or they can trade for, you know, other things. You know what? The Bulls need a point guard. Malcolm Brogdon traded traded to Chicago for Kobe White and 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 Patrick Williams. Once the, you know, once that that stipend rule ends or whatever, whatever rule it is that causes the teams not to be able to uh, trade their their free agent signings. The Minnesota Timberwolves. The key additions, Leonard Miller and Shake Milton. Miller is an excellent value for the Timberwolves who were able to snag the Ignite Lake Ford in the second round. He's a young prospect who has some retrieving defensive skills and can play several positions. It is something Minnesota can use off the bench. Milton offers some depth at the point guard spot. Key departures, none. The Timberwolves are largely locked into the group from a cap space perspective, so this will be the current roster moving forward with some possible changes on the fringes. The protected starting lineup. Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Conley Towns, Kyle Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert are locked in. Jaden McDaniels was great last season and should have the fifth spot, although Minnesota could go for more playmaking with Kyle Anthony if he chooses. After making the playoffs in back-to-back -back seasons, the goal is to clearly to take another step. With Edwards rising and Towns healthy, the Timberwolves should be able to navigate through the rest without sinking too much. Internal development will be the key, but the core group has enough experience to see the regular season through. It is, it's time to win a playoff series in Minnesota. The team has dropped its first first-round series in each of the last two seasons, although losing to the eventual champions of Denver Nuggets last year is excusable. Edwards is looking like a franchise player and it's time for the rest of the roster to pull their weight in crucial games. Another first round exit would feel like a step down for where this team should be. I totally agree with that. I just think Anthony Towns needs to stay healthy. 
Anthony Edwards, he's, he, he, I think he's going to take another leap, and, and he's going to go from all-star to superstar this year. I think he's going to be fantastic, and, and I cannot wait to see what Minnesota does this year. Um, they, they, they've got a nice touch of veterans and young guys to keep it continuing, keep it going. So I'm hoping for a a big time uh, a big time step up from the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Sacramento Kings. The last five uh, teams, and here we go. We start with the Kings. Their addition, Kessler Edwards and Chris Duarte. The Kings don't have to make wholesale changes to their roster. They've added a few players on the fringes to help with their team's depth, including uh, during the regular season. We'll see if Edwards or Duarte do enough to extend the rotation going into the playoffs. Key departures, none. Sacramento has no reason to break up a team that has the league's best offense from a season ago. If Keegan Murray and Malik Monk continue to improve, this team should mitigate any regression from Aaron Fox or DeMontis Sabonis. Protect the starting lineup. Fox and Sabonis will lead the way with Harrison Bonds set to start. Murray and Kevin Herter will be the first preferences, but there's a chance Monk can overtake Herter Herter this season. Season expectation. Last season was awesome for the Kings, who snapped the NBA's longest playoff drought and won the Pacific Division for the first time since 2002-2003. The Sacramento Kings, the defending champion, had the defending champions, Golden State Warriors, on the ropes in the first round, only lost after a 50-point effort in Game 7 by Stephen Curry. That was a great series for Sacramento when it came to proving they were legitimate. Now it's time to sure that moment doesn't fade this season. Goals to make the playoffs, and depending on the seeding with the playoff series, there's no reason this team shouldn't be a regular playoff team in the next five seasons, given the ages of their core players. Stringing together successful seasons will also change the perception of the franchise, which has long been viewed as the doormat of the NBA. Again, I agree with that so much. This, this is a team that should step up. They were... Um, I believe they were the two seed and the Warriors were the seventh seed, but this should be, you know, this, this should be something where you don't go down, you, you know, you don't go down to like you being the seventh seed now, you're the Kings. You know, that's of course if you're not talking about with injuries and like that. But you, if you if you get good health, you should still be a top four team in this Western Conference. Stay and you want you and like I said, you want to stay there for the next four or five years as you get Fox and Sabonis to. You know, just you know, be with you and get other veterans there as well helping you out. So, the Sacramento Kings should be a dangerous team. It might be a, it might be an a, a underdog favorite to become come out of the West. Next, the Los Angeles Lakers. Key additions: Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Jalen Hood, Shafino. The Lakers did a great job of addressing needs on the fringes and churning the roster there. Vincent is in an affordable deal of bring some offense to the point guard spot. While Hayes and Wood provide good front court depth, Hood Shafino is likely to be used sparingly as a rookie, but that's upsized. Key departures, Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba. Beasley's three-point shooting will be missed, and Bamba never really got it going with the Lakers. And the team addressed the front court depth with Hayes and Wood. Projected third lineup. James, Davis, Russell, and Reeves are expected to be in the starting lineup for sure. Jared Vanderbilt is being tabbed as the likely starter alongside Davis, but there's a chance Hayes will get the nod as well. 
Season expectation. Anytime you're on a team with LeBron James, the expectation is championship or bust. The Lakers get the job done in the Orlando bubble and made a surprising run to the West Finals a year ago at the number seven seed. As long as James and, uh, and Davis are healthy, the Lakers believe they have a chance to win it all. Continuity will help. For most of last season, the Lakers were mired in trade conversations. All the roster will be changed. This season, looks like this will be the group aside from a potential shift on the fringes. That'll help Russell, Reeves, Vanderbilt, and Vincent gain some confidence. Rui Hashimura came on strong at the end of last season and his defensive skills could be important in a key playoff series. There are no major distractions for now. That would only hurt the Lakers as they attempt to add another banner. I, 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 here's the thing, and I, 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 I'm gonna put this out there front. I am totally biased um, as someone who knows that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, and I was, you know, and pull the curtain back, I paused, um, I had paused the, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the recording so that I could uh, eat breakfast and also watch some, some stuff on YouTube, uh, and then I, I also ended up watching uh, First Taken, you know, and doing the damn GOAT debate again with Stephen A and Tom and Tim Legler and Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp, who's supposed to be a smart man, foolishly said Jordan Jordan was not the GOAT. And, and I'm sick of this, because Jordan is the GOAT. LeBron James can do nothing, can do nothing to get past Michael Jordan. That's a point-blank period, end of discussion type of thing. But these idiots want to keep on doing it for some reason. I have no idea why. So I will be rooting against the Lakers. They, they, they did fill some good spots and and like I said, the major Western Conference Finals last year. Good thing they got swept by the Denver Nuggets. And so we're going to see what happens this year. Is, is Street Clothes, a.k.a. Anthony Davis, going to be healthy? You know, with LeBron. LeBron's been, ever since he's going to win the Lakers, he's had some injury, some injury, you know, flings. You know, you know, you know will he be able to stay injured? Because he is, he is going on, he is 38, going on 39. So you have to, you know, wonder if, you know, if, if, you know, if, if, if he has some things happening here, you know, will he be able to, you know, maintain his health? Uh, you know, well, listen, but I will be rooting for the Lakers to lose each and every game and hopefully never make the playoffs. So, but, yeah, that's for the Lakers. <laughs> for the Clippers, they uh, added Kobe Brown. For now, the rookie out of Missouri is the only piece the Clippers are bringing in. Los Angeles remains a discussion of the deal for a deal involving James Harden, but those talks are seemingly not progressing towards a conclusion. Brown is a solid combo forward who can stretch the floor, but he's unlikely to see much time in his first season. The Clippers have a ton of depth, which might I mean they need might, which which they might be willing to sacrifice in a potential Harden deal. The 76ers are unlikely to give up Harden for a host of role players, which is where the hiccup on the trade talks begin. For now, everyone stays. The projected starting lineup, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Ivica Zubak are simply locked in with starters. Terrence Mann, Norman Paul, and Nicholas Batum are all in the mix for the fifth spot. Season expectations. There was a lot of fanfare and hype around the Clippers adding Leonard and George. Now the attention and nerve. The duo has made one conference finals appearance, which occurred despite Leonard getting hurt in the second round. The two stars hold 
player options for next season and long-term extensions that appear to be f for a formality now seem like a 50-50 proposition. Leonard and George have missed a lot of games. The legitimacy of their absence has been questioned, and if they don't have something special to start for their decision to join forces, they are going to be part of the biggest debacles in the league. In year one, the team blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the Orlando Bowl. Year two was marred by Leonard's injury ahead of the second round, which led to a conference finals exit. Year three saw the, the team miss the playoffs after Leonard missed an entire season rehabbing and George got COVID ahead of the second play-in game, which was the elimination one. Year four saw George injured his knee before the playoffs with Leonard having a knee injury after two playoff games. This team has the talent to win it all, but the best players are never on the floor in the winning time. The expectation is to compete for a championship and hopefully help to be on LA's side. Listen here. The NBA, thankfully, has changed its rules about sitting players. You know, you, you know, you cannot sit players on national television games. You cannot sit players just to sit them. You know, they, they, they would need to actually be injured to sit down. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard had a pitch to bitch fit about it, but guess what? That's the reason why, because you, you don't want to play. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to play until the... The, the money comes around and it's time to play out. And even then, you still don't want to play. You don't want to make your money. You know, to, to, I it to be one of the best stars that's in this game is one of the softest stars ever as well. And, and, and it's just, it's not doing the, the Clippers any good. It really isn't. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. It is a bunch of bullshit that they, they go through this each and every year. And uh, it's tiresome. The Golden State Warriors. Key additions. Chris Paul, Brandon Podizimiski, and Dario Sarkic. It's funny how your longtime nemesis ends up becoming your friend. The Warriors have had some epic playoff battles with Paul in the past, but the two sides are coming together to capture a championship. Paul has never been to the finals, while the Warriors hope his veteran presence can match better with the same roster. Sark adds some versatility in the front court Gordon State lacks, while Podimiski is a piece for the future who might get decent minutes during his rookie season due to his ability as a three-point shooter. Key departures, Jordan Poole. It appeared Poole would be a big piece of the future after his leap in the 21-22 season. Uh, and was rewarded with a big contract, but then he was promptly had a dust up with Draymond Green. That incident prevented the team from making the playoffs, but clearly something was amiss. It was obvious who was going to be dealt of those two. The Warriors will have to make up for Poole's ability to score bunches off the benches. They won't miss his reckless play that led to turnovers, but they will realize the same spirit often helped them win games. Project the starting lineup. Stephen Curry, Kate Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Williams are locked in the starters. Will Paul be the fifth guy in a small lineup, or will the Curves go with Kevin Looney? Uh, uh, we'll see what Steve Curry ends up performing, but it feels like Looney should get the nod. And yes, uh, and again, I'm not even happy with Kevon Looney, because once again, I'm talking about Kevon Looney, 6'9. He's a power forward, that's a center. Should not be playing center. But you, you need some of them, because you can't have. 
Draymond Green at six six playing center. That is fucking stupid. Season expectations. There's a lot of talk about how the two town lines approach was officially over for Golden State with the pool trade. That's not exactly true since Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga are going to be expected to contribute. Warriors also did keep the draft pick and take Pomisky. That group is unlikely to be dealt unless Golden State goes to a rough start if there's another rotation piece needed. With Curry, Thompson, and Green entering the final stretch of their careers, the goal is to compete for a championship each and every season. Those three, along with Wiggins, are set to be locked in for the next four years, assuming Thompson resigns as a free agent. Paul is here for at least two seasons. Last year was the first time the Warriors lost a playoff series against the Western Conference team in the Steve Kerr era. So there's reason for this roster to be confident. Yeah, and, and, we'll, and we'll see what, what goes down. You know, I, I'm never going to um, count out on the Warriors. I'm never going to count out Steve. Hmm. I'm never going to count out Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, any of those Warriors. I may not have them winning at all, but again, I'm not going to be shocked if they do. And that's unreal. And I'm very interested to see how the Chris Paul thing shakes out. How do I... How they work well with Chris Paul. Chris Paul works well with them. It's going to be interesting. And finally, the Phoenix Suns. So, who do they add? Well, Bradley Beal, Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, and Eric Gordon. Gordon and Allen will help Phoenix jump tremendously, but the big additions are Beal and Nurkic. The former Wizards shooting guard finally made a move to win a championship, and he should fit well with his star teammates if healthy. Nurkic is the right type of big man for this group, someone who can rebound and make hustle plays while not needing too many touches to stay happy. Key departures, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Zach Landale. Unfortunately, the injuries did Paul in with Phoenix and his salary number was too much for how little he contributed to the postseason. Despite his role in making the Suns a regular contender, he is not going to be part of this next iteration of the team. Aiden was departing after the loss to Dallas in 2022. He was unhappy the team matched his offer sheet, and he was non-existent in the playoffs, and actually got replaced by Lindell in the rotation. The Suns will miss his energy and the backup center side. Project the starting lineup, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bill, and Nurkic will start. The first part is up in the air. It will be about where the Suns want to play Durant. The best guess for right now is Josh Okie getting in the lineup, but Allen may get in over him. Season expectations. You don't make trades for Durant and Bill if your goal is to be a regular playoff team. You make those trades to win a title. The Suns have been aggressively pursuing a championship and have decided that all that matters is any personal relationships that get damaged along the way part of the process. The Suns traded for Paul made the finals and then doubled down at, at, by adding Durant and Bill while parting ways with the veteran point guard. The Ozmakers have the flames reading some behind the Nuggets in the West, but those teams did play as he did six-game series in the 22-23 um, playoffs. Hopefully, we have a rematch in the Western Conference Finals. That's the minimum expectation for Phoenix. I think absolutely. Listen, I, um, before everything went down, I had the Suns winning it all. I had the Suns winning it all, but some, some but after all of the trades and going over some other things, looking at some other pieces, uh, I, I think the Suns, they have a shot because they, they got Durant. 
I mean, if you got that guy, uh, one of the top ten players of all time, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be great. So, but it, it, this is just, this is just unreal for the uh, for the Phoenix Suns to get all the way there, and and and, and have Jimmy Lillard go to Milwaukee, and so it's wild. But Suns should be a good fun for me to watch. Actually, I think they actually play tonight, right, in uh, a tip-off game. Uh, the, the late game on TNT, so be able to watch that. Yeah, there it is right there as, a, as an ad. Suns versus Warriors. So still we're starting off with Suns versus Warriors. That's going to be good. So now let me give you my awards and everything like that. Um, MVP, I have Giannis from the, uh, from the uh, Milwaukee Bucks winning the MVP. I also have Giannis winning the Defensive Player of the Year. I think he did that a couple years ago. He won both. I think he's going to do it again this year. The Rookie of the Year is Victor Wimiana of the Spurs. I just think he's, if he stays healthy, he should be a uh, he should be a lock. Sixth Man of the Year, I have Bobby Portis of the Bucks. I think with now, um, you know, Bobby Portis is the sixth man, and I think he's going to be a, a, a true game changer now. Now that you have Damian Lillard in the, in the front court. Most Improved Player, I have Paolo Benchero of the Magic. I think he's going to step up and he's going to take a major leap into superstar and be fighting for an all-star spot this year. Coach of the year, I have Adrian Griffin of the Bucks. His first year, I think the Bucks are going to you know, be wilding out. And I think they, you know, I would not be surprised if they win 70 games or something like that. So, the best record in the West, I have the Denver Nuggets. The best record in the East, I have, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the Conference Finals. I have the Milwaukee Bucks over the Boston Celtics, 42. In the Western Conference Finals, I have the Nuggets over the Suns, 4-3, a seven-game series. And in the NBA Finals, another seven-gamer. The Bucks over the Nuggets, 4-3. The Milwaukee Bucks win their second NBA championship in four years. MVP is Damian Lillard. He's going to show out when he comes to the Finals. He's going to let Giannis do everything in the regular season. In the Finals, he's going to show out and prove why he is truly amazing. So there you have it, guys. That is my NBA season 2022-2023 um, season preview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But we're not done yet. We got some, we got a couple more things to talk about. We're gonna try. We're gonna make this quick because I know we're already over an hour. But we're gonna make this quick uh, for you. So yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into the next one, which is the Major League Baseball playoffs. Okay, so quickly with Major League Baseball, the Texas Rangers beat the Astros 11-3 last night, um, winning, the, winning the game in seven, winning the series in seven. Pitching Rangers are moving on to the NBA, NBA playoffs. And then we have the Phillies and the, and the Diamondbacks tonight in a game seven. So we'll see what happens with, with, with that. And then the World Series will start in a few days, I'm certain. And uh, it should be an interesting one uh, to, to talk about. So now, together with that, let's go ahead and let's catch up on NCAA. Um, like I said, I, I spent so much time on the season preview. I don't want to do what I, what I normally do here. I will just say is uh, looking at some of the, just looking at a couple of the games. Ohio State Penn State was a was a nice battle, twenty to twelve. Ohio State beat Penn State. Uh, Michigan. Um, just destroyed Michigan State 49 to nothing after it came out that there were some 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 maybe cheating accusations reported on the 
a Michigan football team, and it's called Cincinnati. There's somebody, somebody named Stallions. Um, he he bought tickets to eleven Big Ten games, and they've been accused of like going there illegally scouting, illegally filming, and things like that. Texas had a, a scare against Houston, thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, Utah beat USC, thirty-four to thirty-two, and uh, Washington had a crazy scare against Arizona State. 15-7. to seven. We look ahead to week 9. Um, and we got Oklahoma and Kansas. Penn State, Indiana. Florida State, Wake Forest. Oregon and Utah. That should be a good one. Georgia and Florida and the World Largest Outdoor Cocktail Party. BYU is at Texas. Duke and Louisville. That might be a good one. Pittsburgh is at Notre Dame. Tulane and Rice. USC at California. For the victory bell, I think? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, Tennessee is at Kentucky. Arizona State. No, no. Air Force is at Colorado State. Washington is at Stanford. Vanderbilt is at Mississippi. Ohio State is at Wisconsin. Colorado is at UCLA. Um, let's see if Dion can get his team back on track. Old Dominion is at James Madison. UNC is at Georgia Tech. And Oregon State is at Arizona. So there you have it. That's the, the, um, the look back and the look ahead to college football. One more thing to go. It's always the main event. It's the National Football League. So let's look back at week eight. The Jaguars with the Saints on Thursday night, 31 to 24. Poor, um, the poor tight end who, uh, who had, uh, had Foster Moreau. He had beat Kansas and everything like that, and he was wide open in the end zone, dropped the ball from Derek Carr, and could have tied the game up. It's unfortunate. Uh, I think the good thing is I have not heard of any kind of like stupid death threats or anything like that towards him from the Saints fans. I think they realized it was a total mistake and. Uh, He's, you know, as uh, someone once said, he's going to be the sickest man alive. So, um, yeah, that was good. The Falcons beat the Buccaneers 16-13 despite Desmond Ritter. Uh, the Bears, under the folks of Tyler Bajan, beat the Raiders 30-12. The Browns beat the Colts 39-28. Some, some ticky-tack calls maybe called in that uh, in, in that game that called to help the Browns go and win it. Giants beat the Commanders 14-7. Ravens and the Lions, 38-6. Unexpectedly saw the Lions just get blown out by the Ravens. It's unfortunate. And because of this, now people are now starting to get in the long Mark Jackson train. Hey guys, Mark Jackson isn't that good. We need, we, we need to really talk about that. Uh, the Patriots upset the Bills, 29-25. Seahawks beat the Cardinals, 20-10. Rams beat the Steelers. No, Steelers beat the Rams, 24-17. A questionable call by the officials in that one. But they gave... Uh, he pick up the first down on a quarterback sneak, but it looks like he was stopped short of the line of the game. Um, the Chiefs beat the, uh, the Chargers 31 to 17. Taylor Smith once again in the uh, in the booth. Her and her and Brittany Mahomes now have a new dance that they do together. But that's that's all good. Uh, the Packers lost to the Broncos 19 to 17. Some people starting to think that Jordan Love maybe not as good. Guys, I'm telling you, don't do this. As a Bear fan, don't do this. Do not think this guy is not good. And he kind of ends up dominating for the next 12 years. The Eagles will beat the Dolphins, 31-17. And last night, the, another upset, the Vikings beat the 49ers, 22-17. 49ers were without Trent Williams and Debra Samuel, so maybe that was part of the problem. Brock Purdy coming down to earth just a little bit. Still have faith in him. I don't think I don't think he's, uh, uh, he, no, he may not be... Um, the MVP candidate that maybe we thought he was, but I think he's still here. So, 
Week 8 starts this Thursday. It's the Buccaneers at the Bills. Bills really need to get back on track here. This is, you know, they've had the last three games. They've lost, they lost two of those. And the game against Buffalo, they, the game against uh, the New York Giants, they looked awful. Uh, it's an awful New York Giants team. This is a team where you, you know, it's a good defense. You need to look great against this defense, I think. To, 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 and you can't lose, but then you go to 4-4. Four and four, and, 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 and even though you beat the Dolphins, the Dolphins are going to run away with this division. To Sunday's games, the Jets and the Giants are going to play Battle of the Meadowlands. Uh, the Jaguars and the Steelers, the Eagles and the Commanders. Uh, Jonathan Allen, after the game against the Giants, just a uh, fairly late tirade over not, over not winning. And uh, he's a chance now to go and beat the, the Eagles. And we'll see if he does that. Rams are at the Cowboys, Vikings are at the Packers, Falcons at the Titans, Patriots at the Dolphins, Saints at the Colts, Texas at the Panthers, Browns at the Seahawks, Bengals at the 49ers. Chiefs are at the Broncos, the Ravens at the Cardinals. On Sunday Night Football, Tyson Bajan or the Chicago Bears are going to get Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll see where that goes. And then on Monday Night Football, we got the Raiders and the Lions. This, this should be the time for the Lions to get back on track and do to them what the Ravens did to, uh, and do to the Raiders what the Ravens did to the Lions. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Game According to Me. I really appreciate it. If you listen to this episode and you say, God, I really like this. Well, I do this during the football season every week. Normally on Tuesdays. Might be on sometimes on Wednesdays if something happens. But it's normally on every Tuesday. And this is where I, I go over the week in college football, the week in pro football. It's, it's some of the other peripheral things going on, like the start of the NBA season today. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll catch me doing... Um, a season preview like today, or maybe your uh, the Major League Baseball or something like that. I'll talk a little bit about that. But there's normally pro and college football. And if you like what you heard, and you want to support this podcast and this podcast host, there are several ways to do that. One, go to Patreon.com/slash/AJTrip to become a patron. Once you get a certain, once I hit a certain amount of patrons, you will be able to determine what you hear on my other podcast, The Word According to Me. What you see on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at AJTrip. And what video games I play, I have to have the video game on twitch.tv slash AJTrip in the Twitter. There's also a way to uh, do it through the link in the description box below. Go to the Spotify Podcaster support page. There's three tiers, $0.99, cent, $4.99, cent, and $9.99. But if you're like most of the world and you can't support somebody monetarily, but then the way you do it non-monetarily is by taking this podcast, sharing it on all your social media, Twitch, uh, not, well, not Twitch, but you know, share it on Twitter, on um, on Facebook, on Reddit, on Threads, wherever, wherever it is, just um, go ahead and share this podcast and give it a rating it's on Spotify. Uh, that helps me out as well. But, but most importantly, I just thank you for listening to this. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is your boy, AJ Tripp, signing off. As always, be good to each other, y'all. Be careful out there. And I am out.